and Close enough. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to read a good book about the homeless, what is the title? Yvonne and I are Breakfast at Sally's. Yvonne and I are reading that book right now. Actually, we're listening to it on audio. Anytime we take a trip or something, we listen to it a little more. But You know, homeless people have souls, too. They're not just bodies. They're souls. And so each of them is worth more than the whole world. And anyhow, I'm just not sure. Um, I know that poor behavior, bad habits, and all of that. But I think it's really easy for us to fall on those excuses. Um, this, this breakfast at Sally's is written by a homeless guy that used to be wealthy. He'd been very wealthy at one point, owned several businesses. And we haven't gotten the whole way through the book yet, but it's not from a Christian perspective. Um, but he fell on hard times, um, lost everything, and wrote the book as he was living in his car or his truck. I forget what. Anyway, and the only one of our family that's left in Los Angeles is my daughter, Christy, 
she's single, and I sometimes worry about her in the nice apartment. She's got a nice job. She's a registered nurse, works at Reagan, Ronald Reagan UCLA Hospital, which is one of the top three or four hospitals in the world or in the country. Um, she makes more money than I've ever made, probably than I ever will. She has to because she pays lots of rent. And uh, anyways, the Lord has put on her heart recently in some similar ways that's been on mine and for some of the gang culture and homeless population not too far from where she lives. Anyhow, so if you think about it, pray for Christy. If you have an extra slot on your prayer list, pray for her. And um, yeah. Anyways, um, fasting, walking into the presence of the Lord. Do you mind if I read over the questions I sent you? Yeah. Is that okay? Perfect. Okay. Seth had texted me the other evening, wondered if I had some questions. So to begin with, just ponder these questions. I, I sent 10 questions to him, and you can discuss them later, whatever. Have you ever felt at a total loss of direction, loss for answers, or a loss of power in your life? Maybe I should have a mic stand. Maybe I should have a mic stand, sorry about that. Uh, what do you do in such a situation? Do you read books? Do you Google it? You study more? You talk to people? Do you dig in? Try harder? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Eat it. Um, number three, what does it mean to say no to yourself? Number four, what does it mean to say yes to God? Number five, have you ever gone a whole day without eating? Number six, are you prepared to drink a gallon of water a day? Water is a faster's best friend. Maybe you should drink a gallon of water anyways. You can hardly drink too much water. Number seven, <clears throat> Do you have a family doctor or a doctor slash nurse in your family? Someone to keep an eye on you while you fast? Number eight, does Jesus say, here's a question for you. Does Jesus say you shouldn't let anyone know if and when you're fasting? Number nine, do you think it'll ever be convenient to fast? Then number 10, do you really want to fast? I am not here as a, an expert at fasting. 
In fact, I, I would pro probably should just say up front, I don't know if I know how to fast. I just fast. Um, I was once <laughs> laughed to scorn for the way I fast by a friend of mine. And, but he really, he really was laughing at the way I fast. And the reason was because when I fast, I've never been privileged to be independently wealthy where I can just take 40 days off and go to a cozy cabin someplace and just fast. So I've always needed to keep working while I fast. And so I've worked, and that was what he was laughing about. That's not a fast, you're working normal. Anyways. So there are some books I, I might just mention now. I had them listed later. Uh, this one book on fasting right here by Jenison Franklin, this book, was a bestseller for choice books for a while when, when we were doing choice, when I was doing choice books in Los Angeles. This, yeah, this book just would keep on selling. I was, I was impressed. Um, and of all places, Los Angeles. By the way, if, if you're familiar with choice books of Lancaster County, don't tell anybody, but I'm not impressed with choice books of Lancaster County. Um, primarily because there's so many cheap, um, what do you call them, romance novels, Christian romance novels, and apparently the Amish or somebody buys those things. And um, they're okay, I guess, Jeanette Oak or whatever. Um, but, you know, we, they tried, uh, the CEO of Choice Books at the time, it's now reorganized, um, tried to get us to sell these books out there. And we tried, but they wouldn't sell. They wouldn't sell in Los Angeles. But these kind of books would. Inspirational books, devotional books, things like that really sold. This guy, Mr. Franklin, uh, has a church. His main headquarters is in uh, Gainesville, Georgia, I believe. Also has a church, I think, in Atlanta. And had a church, has a church in Los Angeles, as well as different campuses throughout the country. And just the Lord has really used him in powerful ways. And the, the subtitle of his book is Opening the Door to a Deeper, More Intimate, More Powerful Relationship with God. I have yet to fast without something significant being born from it, especially an extended fast. We're going to talk about different kinds of fasts. But God, God has a way of just coming close to people who are willing to say no to themselves and say yes to him. And fasting is one way to do that. Another one, the Daniel fast. Um, you know, the three-week, 21-day fast you read about in the book of Daniel. That's more of a partial fast. Um, I've tried the Daniel fast. I've never really, it's never really worked well for me. I think, for me, fasting works better if I just kind of, cold turkey, just, just fast, like a total water fast. And then this other one, fasting for a breakthrough and deliverance. Also, I'd recommend that one. 
So, yeah. Anyway, let's, um, let's get into this. You know, Scripture, you can't hardly read Scripture. You can't hardly know Jesus from, from the Bible without coming across this thing of self-denial, being crucified with Christ. The Bible seems to assume fasting. First blank for you to fill in there. Jesus did not say if you fast, but he said when you fast. And there's not a lot of technicalities about it. These guys have some good things to say in their books. Uh, but I would, I would caution you about becoming the, the real faster. And I think that what God is looking for is just hearts that are willing to go there with him. Matthew 6, 16 to 18, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face. So he's, just, he's, he's writing to his followers here. When you fast, he just assumes that they're going to be fasting. That thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So my question, is Jesus saying that you should never let anybody know that you're fasting? I, I, I wouldn't worry about that if I were you. Uh, it is kind of unhandy, awkward sometimes, especially if you're on an extended fast. You know, and we have this potluck here, you know, and by the way, thanks for asking me to speak on this because it's prompted another fast for me. And I have started, as of the new year, a year-long fast, a, a dessert fast, not, not a total fast, obviously. But, um, yeah, so, and, and you can't hardly hide that. You, you, just, you just fast, let people think what they will, but, but you don't promote, you don't say, hey, by the way, you know, I'm fasting. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. By the way, I'm open to discussion on that. If you think Jesus is saying that we should, anyway, Seth will lead us in that discussion. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And Luke 9, 23, 25, And he said unto them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? So now I want to talk about the different kinds of fasts. There are one-day fasts, even one-meal fasts. So you may think, well, you know, I, and some people can't fast physically. I mean, biologically, what's the word I want? Yeah, their bodies aren't made in such a way or their metabolism and so forth that they may, it, it may be life-threatening to them to fast. So that's why I say if you have a nurse or somebody in your family, 
um, pay attention to them. But so maybe a meal, even if you just fast a meal, one meal, that's a fast. Or even if you say, well, this meal, I'm not going to have dessert, that's a fast. Anytime you say no to something you'd otherwise do, there are coffee fasts. I've sometimes fasted from coffee. Maybe I should always fast from coffee. There's fasting from social media, fasting from sexual intimacy. Three-day fasts, seven-day fasts, 21-day Daniel fasts, 40-day fasts, and then a one-year dessert fast. I really was blessed in doing, that was, that was before I started doing the more extended fasts, did a, a one-year dessert. I just felt led to one time do that. And I've wondered ever since why I ever went back to eating dessert. Because, you know, I didn't, I didn't really miss it. After a year's time, you, you don't really miss it. But I started eating dessert, and now I, I rather like dessert, you know, again. But I'm going to go this year without. In fact, I may go the rest of my life. I didn't tell my wife this yet. I may go the rest of my life without eating. Because I don't need desserts. I don't know about you, but I don't need desserts. So there's, yeah, all kinds of different ways to fast. There is freedom from the torment of the enemy. Strongholds can be broken. Poverty, sickness, witchcraft, we talked about poverty a minute ago. Sexual impurity, pride, fear, confusion, marital trouble. Fasting helps us to be overcomers. Matthew 17, and when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falleth into the fire and off into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? In other words, how long should I put up with you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto him, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith even as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. You know, and I don't know how to explain that. And that would make some good discussion. What is it about? You know, I don't know really how to explain prayer. I mean, doesn't God already know stuff? Doesn't he know us? Doesn't he know our needs? Why do we have to go through this formality of having prayer time. But I think, there are, I think it has more to do with us than with him. And there's something about 
knowing our neediness, our limitations. And, and that's one thing that fasting, that's one reason I love to go on extended fasts, is because, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I need to say no to this old guy, you know? It's just, it's so easy to pamper myself. And it's just, okay, here I am. I'm going to say no. So, and I think God enters into that and does things in supernatural ways that he wouldn't otherwise. I know that prayer makes a difference. Prayer changes things. I know that. Fasting makes a difference. I don't know why entirely. I mean, I can, I can ramble about why I think it might be. But I think he just does when people turn their hearts toward him in desperation and utter dependence upon him. Now, let me just talk about some of my personal testimony in fasting. Um, years ago, one of, the, one of the first times I was invited to a formal fast was by Brother Lorne Miller, who lives in Canyon City, Colorado. And he invited me along with, I don't know, there were maybe 12 or 15 men to a retreat up close to Pikes Peak, Colorado, where a widow lady owned a tract of property up there. It was kind of a ranch type thing. And her husband had died. They were Christian people. And she turned this ranch, apparently they were somewhat wealthy, she turned this ranch into a place of prayer and fasting. In fact, we, Lauren wanted to do communion while we were there. And so we had to get special permission to bring some bread onto the property. And uh, we concluded that it was just a weekend of fasting. And one of the things I remember learning from Brother Lauren at the time, and have seen it played out, so that kind of got me into a thing of appreciating fasts. Um, just some of the, the rewards and results of fasting and how that they often don't come at the time. You know, it'd be nice if you could see some benefit in this fast while you're enduring this miserable <laughs> experience, especially if it's an extended fast. You know, come on, let's see some results here. You know, that, okay, I've been fasting now for two weeks. Can't there be some answers to prayer or something happening? And and he just told us not to expect that in fasting. And I have seen that played out so many times. And what usually happens is somewhere down the road, maybe a month or two down the road, something will, maybe somebody will get saved or somebody will be healed or, or something. And you'll think, ah, oh, yeah, that's right. That's, that's what I was fasting about. So don't look for immediacy in the benefits of fasting. Other than that, it does clear your head many times if you do it right. And uh, I'll talk about that a little bit later. For, for one period in my life, I, you know, I wanted to fast, and yet how do you do this when you work and everything? I just committed to fast every Wednesday. So I just took the middle of the week for several years, just every Wednesday I would fast. And then about 20 years ago, 
started doing 40-day fasts. And one, one year, I, I think in the 20 years maybe I've done, I don't know, 10 or 12 40-day fasts. One year, I decided to start the year with a seven-day fast and then fast the first three months, the first three days of every month after that. So you have 11 months of three days, and you add that to the first seven days, and then you have a 40-day fast for that year. There was something about that that intrigued me, and I did that one year. Um, two years, I thought, you know, I think I could do a total fast. By the way, did I say I did a 40-day total fast? I didn't mean that. I, I mean, I, I said that mistakenly. I tried twice to do a total fast. Those 40-day fasts have always been juice fasts. So where, where I'll drink whole juice, not cheap stuff, not Kool-Aid, that kind of stuff, but um, some kind of a fruit juice. Often grape juice is a really good juice to drink. And the reason was twice I tried to do a total fast, and both times, right at eight days, I ended up in the emergency room. And uh, so I kind of concluded that maybe that's not for me. Um, but some people do. I've known uh, Bill Bright founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. Um, he, he has done many 40-day fasts, total fasts. And the, the problem is you really have to be careful when you, if you ever do an extended fast like that, be really careful how you go into it and how you come out of it. Because if you just do cold turkey, you could get yourself in trouble. So kind of work your way into it. Maybe stop desserts for a few days and then maybe cut out meats and, you know, and, and within a week or so be it down to a juice fast or something. But even with the juice fast, when you come out, be very careful. Because if you just start eating steak, <laughs> number one, you're going to put on pounds. Uh, if, if you go back to normal eating, it, it's, it's like your body says, ooh, finally, this guy's eating again. I better put some of this in storage in case he ever does this again. And, and it, you can just, I've gained weight that way already. And Bill Bright, how many, have you ever met Bill Bright or seen Bill Bright? He was a very heavyweight, heavy, heavy man. But he fasted a lot. He's written on fasting. He's a model in many ways, but I don't think he always came off of his fast very well. And by the way, if you're here and you've got extra pounds like I do, this message is not for you. I mean, this, I, I'm not aiming this message at you. We have some skinny folks here, too, and I'm really jealous of them, including my wife. And uh, this is not about weight issues. There are all kinds of reasons for being overweight. And uh, I know what my reason is, and that's because I eat too much. But um, that's not always the case. Anyway, um, Bill Bright, yeah. Be careful how you come off a of fast. So often, if, if I'm on a 40-day fast, when I come back on, I'll just start eating greens, like, like uh, what's that yucky stuff? <laughs> spinach. <laughs> Take some spinach and, and steam it, and it'll be delicious. If you haven't been eating for 40 days, it's just delicious as can be. Um, and then, you know, after a few days, maybe 
maybe some beans or um, Brussels sprouts, uh, those kinds of things, and spend a week or so just kind of with some of those vegetables. Don't eat corn right away, you know, some, not, maybe the second week you can get into some of the, those kinds of things. And I often don't eat meat for another two weeks before I eat meat. Because if you do, if you do that, that's the proper way to come off. And, and I, have, I have sometimes lost an average of a pound a day. I've lost 40 pounds in a 40-day 40 40 fast. And I can keep that off for a long time if I come off right. But if I don't come off right, then I turn around and there I am again. You know, just as heavy as ever. I mean, that's not why I'm fasting, but it's kind of nice if you have um, some benefit in that physical sort of way. Um, often fasting for my children. I have fasted for my children a lot. Whatever their struggles that they were facing at the time. In fact, that's... Um, that's how Asher found his wife was a result of my fasting. I can take some. He was praying about Teresa and actually I think I think I was fasting even before that. Um, he he would say that that was a a benefit of my fasting. Um, yeah, I would say those have been some of the most consequential fast that I have done has been when I really embrace my kids' struggles. And it, it says a lot to your children. Um, even if, you know, who knows what causes what, but maybe they, he would, I'm sure he would have found Teresa if I'd have never fasted. I, I don't know. But, um, but when, they, when they have a struggle that, that they're facing and you as a parent just come alongside and say, you know, son, or daughter, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fast for all week because of whatever it is that you're, you're struggling with. That means a lot to them. There was a come away with me retreat that I attended about a year after Rachel's death, and I, I think I've maybe shared this story with you before. And I was fasting over that time as well. This was an eight-day um, retreat. And it was especially designed for people, not, not just that had lost loved ones, but were, that were in some kind of a stress period of their life. And, and uh, so I was, I liked to hike. And I might just back up and say this. I wasn't going to share this story, but Yvonne reminded me of it. She read it in my book before she knew that we were going to get married someday. Um, probably a couple months after Rachel's death, I got a letter from a friend in Minnesota, a, a man about my age. And he said, you know, he was just expressing his sympathy and... And then he said, my, he said, this must really be tough, you know, to be sexually active for 28 years and suddenly be without your wife. And, and it was like, oh, yeah, I guess that is an issue. And 
You know, it was kind of the last thing on my mind. It was, I mean, obviously, I think I missed her sexually, but my, I missed her in so many ways that it was like, um, but then after, after that, I began to struggle with just personal moral purity. And, and uh, so I fasted and I hiked. <laughs> and the part that Yvonne remembers in my book I wrote, and sometimes I hiked fast. <laughs> um, so those kind of things help in, in temptation. I'm sure the rest of you men have, have um, found that too. So back to the come away with me retreat. So I'm out hiking and I had decided, usually I was hiking about three miles a day and that day I decided to hike six miles. And so I was out hiking and I came across this beautiful valley close to Akron, Ohio. And it was in the fall, it was about November I think. And the, the leaves were just golden, yellow, orange color, just gorgeous colored leaves. The pasture was still green, the meadow. There were Holstein cows sprinkled through the valley. Uh, there was a red barn, a gray farmhouse. Just, just stunningly beautiful, at least if you appreciate the farm at all. And I grew up on a farm, so it really... And I'm just kind of drinking this in, and, and it was like the Lord said to me, this is your future. You have a beautiful future. And at that point in my life, nothing looked beautiful to me. And it was kind of like, okay. And then he said, and I'm not charismatic enough to actually hear voices, but in, in my heart, I heard, heard this message from God. Your life is only half lived. And I chuckled. A little bit like Sarah did, I think. And I said, Lord, you know I'm 52. Does that mean I'm going to live to be 104? And he didn't answer me right then, but as I was turned around and was trying to get back to my 1.30 appointment, I looked at my phone and it said 1.04. So... Did the Lord tell me in the middle of a fast that I'm going to live to be 104? I don't know. We'll see. If you're still around, maybe. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I could die tomorrow. But One of the most beautiful immediate benefits that I ever experienced in fasting, and this again was an extended fast, was when I witnessed to, to Hike and Brianna um, this would have been back in the, the fall before COVID. That would have been, what, 2019, I think. Um, I was fasting and I was hiking. And I had come back to my scooter, which was parked at a 7-Eleven. I was sitting at the curb um, with a bottle of water, drinking because water is a faster's best friend. And these people walked around the corner of the building and I thought we we're going to go into the 7-Eleven, but they never got past me. And I, I kind of got nervous. They're looking around, and Hike, Hike leaned forward, and he said, could you spare 50 cents? He said, I'm 50 cents short of a beer. And so I said, 
I don't think I have any. About that time, I reached in my pocket. Sure enough, I did have some money there, so I just took it and gave it to him. And, and then I just started, started witnessing to him. I just said, you know, Hike, you have a very beautiful woman there with you. Brianna was with him. I said, I'm sure she would really like for you to make wise, wise choices in life. And he started hanging his head. And I said, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I said, if you need a beer, get your beer. But I just started talking to him, and the conversation just flowed. It, it was amazing to me. And it wasn't because of me. It was the Lord. And it was later that I thought, hmm, you know, I think that was directly connected to my fasting. That my, my mind was clear. It was just like I could think of what to say. And so we chatted there for probably over an hour. And then we had a men's retreat that weekend. Or I would have probably said, can I come to your place tomorrow? But I said, can I come to your house on Monday? And, and the reason was because they were, they were addicted to many things. Um, but we, and we hadn't completed our conversation. He said, sure, yeah, you can come on Monday. And so we, we met out 4.30 Monday. And I knocked on their door 4.30 Monday afternoon. And sure enough, there was hike. And um, so we sat in his living room and talked and just continued our conversation. Again, I was, I was still fasting, you know, and it was just like the spirit entered into that and just flowed. And that, he prayed to receive Christ. I can still see him standing in his living room just lifting his hands up and just crying out to the Lord for mercy. And he needed mercy. He needed lots of mercy. And because of some of the addictions and so forth, I knew that, you know, he's not the type of guy that you just say, well, you know, let, let's plan another time in two weeks or even a week. I knew he would need connection every week. Connection is the opposite of addiction, connection. People that are addicted need connection with people. <clears throat> Real people, good people, healthy people. And... So I said, can I come back tomorrow, same time, 4.30? And, uh, oh, by the way, Hike had said, yeah, Brianna, she, she didn't want to be, she heard enough of this, she, she didn't want to hear anymore. And so I said, this time, don't tell Brianna I'm coming because I want her to be here. And he said, okay. The next day, at about 2.30, I got a text from him, and he said, Brianna and I are both looking forward to you coming tonight and so I went back and sure enough she was there and she prayed to receive Christ that night you know and it, I think it was a direct result that, that was the most immediate results I've ever seen from a from an extended fast was that time and today Bri, um, Brianna's still living but hike the next that was in September October and the next May COVID week or year of COVID he stepped outside of his apartment and dropped dead on a Saturday morning. And I think it was an overdose. <clears throat> I don't know that it was ever determined exactly, but, but I know that he's with the Lord today. In part, at least, because 
of fasting. Another story, and pardon me if I've told, have I, did I ever tell that story here before? I probably did, did I, no? Okay, I probably told you, but yeah. Um, an, oh, this, yeah, this was, this was not a result so much of the fast, but the accident that I had on my scooter, and I, yeah, I, I'll skip that story. Um, ask me about it later. One time I was um, fasting and in my truck, my choice book truck, and someone had told me a long time ago when I was trying to uh, figure out what all my issues were. By the way, if you've, how many of you have gotten, I'm not going to say professional, but intentional counseling? How many of you have gotten intentional counseling? Good, good for you. Why don't you stand up? Don't just raise your hand. Stand up. If you've gotten intentional counseling, good for you. Now you can sit down. Now the rest of you know what you need to do starting next week. <laughs> the people that really need counseling are people that don't think they have any issues. So, um, Anyways, I'm not saying that you don't think you have issues, but you just haven't gotten around to having counseling yet. But eventually you'll get there. So I was getting, uh, what did I start to tell? What story had I started to tell? So what happens when you have ADHD. You uh, start all kinds of things. Oh, it had to do with, um, yeah, so I was getting, one time in counseling, Don Showalter had told me, he said, you have father issues, you have father wounds. You have, and I, you know, I'm trying to think, what do you mean? I mean, I, I don't, I mean, my father wasn't perfect, but anyways, I, I thought I, I was okay with my dad. And, uh, Anyhow, so he just, he kind of dangled that out in front of me one time, and I, I spent the next couple of years pondering that. And then it was sometime after Rachel's death that I began to realize, I, th I think I do. I, th I think I'm a bit of an orphan when it comes to father. And, and so I was praying about that and fasting, and, and I, came, I was driving my choice book truck out toward um, uh, Pomona there, one of the suburbs came up over this hill, and it was just green. It was in the spring. So we have about the, the 13 inches of rain that we get in Southern California a year come between November and February. So this was probably yeah, in December. No, 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 this would have been after the spring. So it would have been probably March or April. And it was just stunningly beautiful again. The green, velvety, what normally are dry hills was just green, brilliant green. and. And my heart just leaped. And I immediately, it wasn't that long after losing my wife, and I immediately thought of her. Because I always like to, when I see beautiful things, I want to tell Rachel about her. Now I tell Yvonne about it. And, and the Lord said to me, he said, that's not Rachel you feel. That's me. 
that's me. That was such a, an eye-opening thing for me. That's not Rachel you feel. Steve knows all about this because he's, he's not leaning on a wife. He's, he's got this Jesus connection. Um, and then another time, a similar sort of situation, it was, it was after, after we had bought the property out there and a dear brother from Ohio had given us an interest-free loan to buy this property. Previous to that, he had given the, the thrift store a $100,000 donation to get our thrift store going. Amazes me. Several years after that, I went to him one time, took him out for coffee when I was going through Ohio. And I wanted to just thank him again for that. I mean, that's a huge donation. I mean, I gave $100 and I think I'm really doing something. And um, he said, Really? Hmm. I don't, I don't remember doing that. He didn't remember giving a $100,000 donation. Anyways, he then went on to help us with this purchase of the property with a low interest. Yeah, I said a no interest. It was actually a low interest loan. 3% interest. That would, that would be kind of standard now, I guess. But... Um, and so I was just really feeling loved and cared for. You know, he provided because we needed a property. We kept getting bumped from one rental unit to the next. You know, the landlord would sell it or whatever. And, and so when we were able to buy a property, that brought some stability to everything. And, and I just was so grateful. And one time I was just praising the Lord for, for his goodness. And, and I just was overwhelmed with this sense of God sitting right next to me in my truck. And, and I won't mention his name because he probably wouldn't want me to mention his name, but it was this brother that had given us the interest-free loan and had given us the gift, and he was sitting right next to me. And it seemed like it was God. And that, it felt like my father God was there, and it looked just like brother so-and-so from Ohio had a big bushy white beard and uh, so God has a big bushy white beard um, so you know those kinds of things God visits us I think in unique and maybe you have these anyways uh, hopefully you do but I have been visited in deeply significant meaning extra meaningful ways when I choose to fast and I don't think God would have done so without it at least in my experience so, I'm looking forward to the discussion. I think that's all that I have here. Um, if you have any questions, you can ask me via Seth. Thank you. All right, thank, <clears throat> thank you, Ernest, for that. Um, I think that uh, hopefully has stirred some thoughts for everyone here. Um, and just those 10 questions that he began with uh, on fasting. Um, uh, I think we want to just take some time and just see what God has for us um, in this idea of fasting. How has fasting been used in your life? 
or um, maybe you have never fasted. Why? Why so? Uh, and <clears throat> or you know, all you've done was group fasting, but not personal fasting. Um, so, so these are all things that you know we can. We're going to split up in two groups, and you know, start uh, just diving more into the topic. Um, children, you are dismissed to go to your classrooms. And then uh, to the others. So there's two, kind of my heart behind this, there's two main things that I really want to grab during Sunday school, um, our Sunday school time, is um, number one, to create friction for all of us. Um, that way when we leave church, uh, we've had some time to really allow the sermon to you know, move in our hearts and our minds uh, to hopefully cause us to remember and just to be on our hearts.